everybody, Conan Raj here, and welcome to Web3 and Plain English Podcast. Today's episode is a part two of last week's episode, where I talked about Web3 electronic medical records. The second part, which is today, is how Web3 and the blockchain can be used for healthcare research. So let's get started. The problem. The problem with healthcare research is that most research involves white people. And more specifically, white males. And non-white races, mainly black and brown races, are non-existent. And women. Women are, and I'm using this in quotes, quote-unquote, complicated. Um, now, Web3 and block, the blockchain won't solve having other races be in RCTs, random controlled trials, the gold standard in scientific research. Researchers need to recruit other non-white races and women for their studies to solve that. And also, RCTs are expensive, and many countries with money tend to be in the U.S. and Western Europe, which is mostly white. So, the problem is that not every recommendation or advice that comes out of the healthcare research would apply to women or non-white races. They just don't apply. But there could be a solution that uses the blockchain and artificial intelligence to analyze health data, find correlations, and develop recommendations for specific races, gender, or even a specific patient. So what's the solution? Well, if we can get the patient's health data onto the blockchain that involves all genders and races, then we can have data scientists and artificial intelligence analyze that data and find correlations. The more patients and their data we can get on their blockchain, along with a greater diversity of genders, races, and ages, we can get recommendations on better health specific to, we can get better health specific recommendations that are specific to genders and ethnicities. So the advantage of the blockchain is that it's public. We can't edit the data. Once it's on the blockchain, it's there. And that allows any researcher or artificial intelligence to look at the data and analyze it. And researchers, and I would say this even with artificial intelligence, have biases that do affect their analysis. And the researcher may not think they have any biases, but they're human. And humans have biases, even if we don't think we do. The data could be the same, but two researchers can come up with two different conclusions, which is not a bad thing. So my thing is, if you have more researchers look at the data, you'll get many different conclusions. And then the different conclusions that tend to be overlap and tend to be the same, those tend to be probably have a higher confidence rating that they'll be correct. And because of that, if you put the health data on the blockchain, we can see competing companies or individuals that create their own AI to research the data. And some AIs can be better than others. This could create a marketplace of AIs so patients can submit their data to whatever AI that they like based on the review they've heard or word of mouth and get a health risk assessment along with any specific treatment recommendations or lifestyle changes. Now, there are some potential problems. Now, the blockchain is public, and no one wants their health data for all to see, mainly if it's used to discriminate against you. It could be a job that may discriminate against you based on your health, because they may not want to pay for your health insurance, or it may affect your career. They just may not think you're up for the task, which 
By the way, that's terrible, but it could happen. One way to make it is to make the data anonymous. So there's no identifying information that can be tied to you. No name, driver's license, or social security number. And the patient must also consent to submit their health data to the blockchain. And the patient could also choose which data they wish to withhold, like age, race, height, weight, even though that data would help researchers and the AI find any specific health recommendation. But the patient should have to consent. And that's the most important thing. They have to consent and be able to decide, pick and choose which data gets onto the research blockchain. So how will this work? So the assumption is, and let's use my last episode where the, the electronic medical records do exist on the blockchain. So the patient uses the blockchain and the off-chain um, to store their medical records. And they use the off-chain to store the medical records because the blockchain is not really designed to store large amounts of information. Um, it's just used to mainly store like the patient identification and then have it link to off-chain where that their data would be encrypted so no hackers can get into it. And if they do hack into it, they won't be able to make sense to it. So that's the assumption that the patient is using the blockchain to store the medical records. So then a health research company wants to research, let's say, cardiovascular disease and wants to access as many patients across many genders, ages, and biomarkers. The patient hears about this and decides they want to participate in this research. So the patient goes on a website, selects the cardiovascular research that they want to submit their health data to. The patient enters their patient ID, and which will then bring up the, and, and maybe their password, which will then bring up their medical records, decrypt it, and then the patient can select which data they'd like to submit. They can select all their data or some of their data. And this can include gender, age, height, weight, their medical history, which could also include surgeries that they've had, current and past medications that they have taken, allergies, family medical history, past doctor visits, supplements that they may be currently taking. The patient then consents and submits the data, but not their patient ID. That way, the research company will not be able to tie the patient's health data to a specific person. The research company will then take that data, store it off-chain, um, or maybe not even store it. They'll just be able to access it, and they may have a permission because you've consented. So they don't have to take the data and store it off-chain. But it makes sense for them to store it off-chain, so that way... Um, it'll be easier for their program, data scientists and the AI to analyze it. So then the data scientists and the AI programs will then analyze that data. And the more patient data that you have, the better it is for the data scientists and the AI to find correlations on what causes cardiovascular disease. They may find a, that a specific race or gender or an age range that are more susceptible to cardiovascular diseases than other races and genders. And because of that, they could give a recommendation that you should see that this particular race and this particular gender, if you're in this age range, should see a cardiologist. And they may need to get treatment earlier than other races and genders. So the conclusion is that the Web3 and the blockchain will allow the patient to own their medical records. They can access it anytime, which is really the best thing about having 
your records on the blockchain. You own it, not the doctor. It's not in a folder or on their computer at the doctor's office. You don't have to call them up to get it or you can just get it anytime you want. You go online and you can view it. And this will then enable the patients to select and submit their health data or which health data they would like the researchers to use. And then the Web3 also allows health researchers to get more patient data and more variety of patients. The more data data scientists can get their hands on, the better the recommendation will be. And also, people tend to lie and not tell the whole truth when they're being asked about their health. Web3 makes it easier for patients to submit their health records to the researchers. Um, and Web3 allows the researchers to get more data, more accurate health data, instead of relying on patient surveys, which may not affect, uh, reflect reality, because a lot of times patients, you know, like I was saying before, they tend to lie or not tell the whole truth when being asked about their health. So if it's just, if the health researchers just can access the health data, which was recorded by the doctor or the medical professional, which usually would mean that the data is more accurate, then the better, the better the data and the more data that a data scientist can get, the better the recommendations that will come out of it. So that's it. Um, we're going to keep this under 10 minutes. And thanks, everybody. I'll see you guys next week.